Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you are new. I'm sorry for the lack of uploads the past couple of days. I've been feeling very under the weather, and I've only just now began to feel better. Now, before we get into these stories, I want to let you know it's going to be a bit of a variety today. These stories are going to be anywhere from paranormal to cryptid to strange people to all kinds of other things. Some of it will take place in the great outdoors like we typically do, and some of it will be a little bit different. But I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit it on reddit via r slash thedarkswamp. I would love to see your story and share it with everyone here. Now, without further ado, be sure to elbow that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for some creepy and downright strange nighttime horror stories. Today's episode is sponsored by our good and longtime friends at HelloFresh. Fall is right around the corner, Swamp Folk, and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered right to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing dinner is covered. Banish the end of summer blues with HelloFresh. No need to stress about how you'll handle it all because this fall, HelloFresh takes care of the meal planning and delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your home. So whipping up a homemade meal is a cinch. Now, I've been using HelloFresh for a couple of years now, and I can tell you I enjoy the food so much. They always have the perfect recipes. Me and my girlfriend actually have several that we, we make on our own, even when we don't have HelloFresh boxes, because the recipes are genuinely that good and simple to make. The key to dinnertime success is variety. HelloFresh keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 chef-crafted recipes to select from every single week. From family-friendly to fit and wholesome, you'll always find something new and exciting. So, what are you waiting for? Join me and several others in the swamp today. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Swamped and use code 50Swamped for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Swamped and use code 50Swamped for 50% off. The Haunted House by Stephanie W. Since we moved to our recent house in 2019, we have put religious blessed crosses and other items on every other door. We have also done this with our windows of our home. I've tried my best to set a protection barrier around the house and the land. It helped for a while, but small unexplainable things started happening. For instance, I was woken up by my spouse telling me to call the cops and asking where our 38 was. There was a man standing in our living room. We knew it wasn't our kids because they weren't home at the time. The alarm, strangely, wasn't going off, so we knew no one had entered the house or the windows. We both decided to go together and search the house, only to come up empty-handed. We have a mirror outside of our bedroom door that you can see our entire living room through. He told me that later something had woken him up, only to see a manly figure standing in our living room. The situation has happened many times, and we never find anyone when we search every single time. My spouse and two daughters have seen a girl around 12 years old in the house at different times. The first time my daughters and I were all standing in the kitchen, when my spouse walked in from work. He walked into our room for whatever reason, I announced to everyone it was time to eat. My oldest daughter had walked out of his sight. 
He then steps into our oldest daughter's room to tell her to come eat, only to find that she's not there, and she comes walking out of another part of the house entirely. The second time both of our daughters were playing in their play area next thing I knew, both were just screaming, crying, and running into our bedroom, saying they had seen a girl with dark hair walk into one of their rooms. They looked into the room, and there was no one there. The third time, I'm walking to our kitchen to see a girl dash from the kitchen into our laundry room and hear the door slam shut. I turned around and noped the hell out of there. Several hours later, I got back to the kitchen to attempt to wash the dishes, and while standing at the sink, I swear I saw a black figure or mass pass very quickly. As it was passing behind me, I get shoved into the sink. Then it disappears through the wall. I'm standing there in shock. What just happened? Did that actually happen? I run to my kids and practically drag them into my room, locking the door behind me. I don't know why I did that. It's not like it was going to keep that thing out. I call my spouse, freaking out, begging him to hurry home as quickly as he can. Since then, I have yet to see the girl. Sometimes I can feel the bed sink in at night like someone or something is sitting at the end of our bed. Every time I look, there's nothing there. I hear what sounds like footsteps walking and running across our attic. I once tried contacting a paranormal group here in Louisiana, but nothing ever came of it. I supposedly talked to a Native American medium once. She told me that everything happened because of my deceased father, grandfather, and old boyfriend who passed away when I was 19. It's crazy because I woke up from a dead sleep at 4.30am, feeling something wasn't quite right when he died. When I finally did fall back asleep in my dream, my boyfriend at the time had gotten into a wreck, and we were at a hospital. The doctor and nurse kept telling me he was dead, and I wouldn't accept that he was. When I finally woke up, I got a call from one of my excellent friends telling me that everything I had dreamt was actually true. That's just an example of the dreams I have. My gut feelings are spot on almost every time I have them. I'm going to stop here for now. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I have more stories to share if you'd like to hear them. Thanks in advance, Swamp Dweller, if you decide to share my story. The Jim Creep Bye. To get this story started, here is a bit of background information about myself. I am a female, 17 years of age. I'm very petite, weighing about 100 pounds and standing at just 5'3". I recently joined my local gym around January 2019 and have started a routine of when I work out every day, except for Monday, sometime around 6pm usually, and usually I'll stay for about an hour or two depending on the day and how I feel. Anyone who goes to the gym regularly notices others around them and gets familiar with what times and machines are usually available. And if a new person comes, you usually notice them. My point is, is that you get used to these people in the gym with you, whether or not you communicate with them. As a girl who goes to the gym, from my experience, you will get the occasional glance from a weirdo or make awkward eye contact with someone staring at you in the mirror. But all you can do is stare back at them dead in the eyes and give them the nastiest look of disgust. Now, the time that I go to the gym is when everyone usually starts to leave. I am very antisocial and shy, so this works out great for me. Or so I had thought having some alone time would be excellent. And if something were to happen, they would have cameras everywhere. Now I know this is a stupid way to think. But knowing that you had to have a keycard to get into the gym and one to get out was a comfort along with the cameras. For this past month of me doing my workouts, I got this weird vibe from this random guy we will call Randy. 
As I said, you usually get people looking at you, so it is hard to tell if someone is genuinely a significant threat or just someone being a creep. Either way, both are usually bad, but it's difficult to distinguish the two. I told my mom about this Randy guy because my gut feeling told me something was just wrong and I felt like I needed some advice. She told me we should tell the manager and have them kick him out. But being naive and friendly, I didn't want to kick a guy out just for giving me the creeps. It wasn't a good argument at the time. I started to notice some of the other girls weren't coming as regularly as they would. I brushed this off thinking they had work or were out of town or something. It was really none of my business, but it was something to note. The staff at the gym leaves around 6.30pm, and I noticed that Randy was coming in almost precisely when the manager and staff would leave. Again, I didn't really pay too much attention to this because he could have just been a regular person trying to work out at a specific time due to his job or whatever was going on in his life. This was a huge mistake on my end. Here is me trying to reason with myself and rationalize that nothing was going on because I constantly saw Randy so I considered him one of the regulars, I guess. But this is where the story actually begins. I went to do my daily workout, and the manager, let's call her Alyssa, came up and talked to me about other girls who worked out at the same time I did. These girls were complaining about Randy, secretly recording them while they worked out. The girls changed their workout schedule due to Randy, which explains why I saw fewer and fewer of them. She asked me if I had seen any men holding their phone up to their chest and walking with the camera pointed outwards. I said no, until I told Alyssa about this random man Randy, who was starting to creep me out. She said she would look into it and update me on the situation, mainly since I'm underage. The next day, Alyssa talked to me. She said that one of the girls who complained about him pointed him out on the cameras and that she would wait for Randy to come back into the gym, kick him out, and trespass him if he ever came back. She left that night not knowing what had happened because Alyssa was still waiting after I left. I returned to the gym that following Tuesday and Alyssa told me everything that had gone down. She had said that she waited till Randy and his buddy, who we will call Kyle, came to the gym and were parked outside. Alyssa had a friend who was a sheriff. Apparently, he rang up Randy's license plates, and to both of their surprises, he was a registered sex offender and had put on probation recently. Alyssa then found out that Randy didn't even have a keycard, meaning he was not a member of the gym and shouldn't have been using the gym, period. His friend Kyle had a keycard and was letting Randy in. They would work out sometimes and wait for the staff to leave and do creepy things. Alyssa prohibited both of the men entering the gym again and kicked them out. The scary thing is, is that I remember being alone in that gym with those two guys very often. They blended in very well, and I considered them just average workout people. I'm still not sure if Randy or Kyle recorded me, but Alyssa told me she was going to look through the footage and let me know any other news she could, such as them recording me and all that. It is terrifying to think that I got accustomed to these guys regularly being at the gym. I am so thankful that Alyssa kept me informed on the situation. As terrifying as it is, it shows that you should always be aware of what's happening around you and to trust your instincts. It also shows that you never can trust anyone you think you might know. As stupid as it sounds, it's easy to get comfortable with people we see daily even if we don't know who they are. But who knows what might have happened if I caught Randy and Kyle alone again. Please be careful at all times. Never judge anyone for good or bad until you actually know them. You never know what might be out there to hurt you. Thank you for your time in reading the story.
Mountain Biking Turned Deadly by Luke. My name is Luke and I am now 20 years old. This story happened to me when I was 17. This experience still gives me chills to this day. In May 2017, I found myself going out a lot more on my mountain bike. I was getting bored of cruising around the streets, so I wanted to go out for a trail, woodland bike ride. I have never been to Lee Woods before then. Personally, I do not think I will ever go alone again. After some research into different areas, Lee Woods seemed to be the best bet. Living only a couple of miles away was a nice bike ride. On arriving, it looked very peaceful, and I was almost in a dreamlike state by my first look at the place. For a woodland area in England, let alone Bristol, it was amazing. On going into the woods, I remembered seeing different colors at the start of each trail, signifying difficulty for bikers and length for walkers. Don't take my word on that bit, I still have no clue what they mean, honestly. So I decided to go down the blue-colored trail to see what was down there. Finding it exciting, I decided to go down the harder trail, and now, here's where it starts to get weird. I began having this weird sort of vision looking around as if I'm being swallowed by the woodland. Everything felt like it was getting bigger and further away. I brushed it off, but it turns out I lost track of time. I got lost in the trail. Now keep in mind I am very observant and aware of my surroundings. I then came to a strange opening. I could go left in the rough direction of the way out or right deeper into the woods. Me being me, I decided to go deeper into the woods. I came to a weird little trail that just had dodgy written all over it, metaphorically speaking. I went against my gut feeling of turning back and went down there. I came to a point of which the trail continued, but it was getting very dangerous. The trail being too bumpy for me to even walk down, I then turned back. But for a few minutes before turning back, I do not know why, but I was just standing still, staring down the trail. I felt like I was being watched from all angles even though it would be near impossible to have that many eyes surrounding me in that area. I got nervous and began walking back up the hill as I was too tired to ride at this point. Keep in mind, my bike tires are completely solid, with no punctures, slow punctures, or even anything wrong at all. I wish I still had the pictures of the bike. Upon getting back to the spot where I originally went to the trail, that weird loss of time thing began. It felt as if the whole path had stretched by a half a mile as if the woodland was moving. I begin walking up the path feeling that same eerie sensation of being watched as I did beforehand. This time, it felt a bit more sinister. It felt as if something were about to happen. Bearing in mind, I had not seen a single person now since I went down that first trail. I will explain the scenery before continuing. It is a long path, a slightly steep hill to my left a narrow river to my right, maybe four feet deep and four feet wide. Bushes are on the other side of the river, with the odd tree every now and then. Upon getting about a quarter of the way up the slowly inclining path, I hear a woman crying behind a tree up ahead. 
I start slowing down my walking pace to try and get a look behind the tree, but the whole time I am thinking to myself, why would someone jump across to cry behind a tree? So I edge closer to the river to look behind to see if the person is okay. Also because many people go to Lee Woods to commit suicide, so I was hoping that maybe I could help this person. But you guessed it, there is no one there and the crying stopped. A bit weirded out, I just slowly turned away and started walking again, a bit quicker as I was unnerved. I have had a few paranormal experiences before this, but not in a place like this, never in the woods. Usually it was in a house or some sort of building, so this was new to me. I had this sudden shiver as I was walking, maybe a minute or so later, only a couple of meters away where I heard the crying, it started again, but this time it was opposite of me across the river. I did not bother looking. I started just going again in a bit of a jog. As I got faster, I heard the bushes rustling, as if there was something following me. Upon hearing this, I sped up and the crying became more and more hysterical. Bear in mind, my bike was fine before this moment in time. I have thought to myself, F this, I'm gone. I try to hop on my bike with the adrenaline that was rushing through me, and I come to an almost sudden stop. My back tire on my bike had become completely flat out of nowhere, so I had no other choice but to sprint with my bike and pray for the best, and that I do not trip or end up having to throw it and run faster. With the crying person still close to me and keeping up, I am running faster and faster praying I just get off this path that I was on. I had that feeling of wanting to cry because I could not actually do anything to help the situation or get out of it any faster. And after what felt like an hour but was probably only 5 or 10 minutes, I could see the car park. The crying had stopped following me and getting closer and started moving back down to where I first heard it. I sprinted out into the car park. I must have been as white as a sheet of paper and hysterical with my breathing and wheezing as multiple people in the car park turned to look at me like I was crazy. I saw the exit sign out of the car park and ran towards it, and, whilst doing so, I noticed my bike to be moving a lot smoother. I could not believe that my bike tire had suddenly regained all of its air. It was solid again, as it was before the unnerving crying person shenanigans. I jumped on my bike and got away from Lee Woods as fast as I could, and have never gone back as every person I tell this story becomes more reluctant to go there with me. The thing that makes this story so scary to me is I have Irish heritage. In Irish folklore, there is a demon that we call the Banshee. She is seen in the woodlands next to rivers and lakes washing blood off clothes. It is said that if you see her washing blood off clothes, the person who owns those clothes will die. Alternatively, if you hear her crying, it means death. I cannot remember the meanings exactly of the deaths, but it means either you or a loved one will die. Since 2017, I have lost my auntie, two of my best friends, and a dog. Lee Woods is no joke. There are many stories that have come out of Lee Woods, too. You can read online about them. Search up Lee Woods. L-E-I-G-H. It is rated 87th most haunted place in the UK according to Higgy Pop. It is a popular spot in Bristol for suicides, or it was at least. 
Even the ghost of Isambard Kingdom Brunel has been spotted there. Looking over the suspension bridge, which he designed, I may submit some more stories soon, as I have a couple of more experiences I have had over the years. Let me set the scene. It is May of 1977 in a small city known as Albertville, Alabama. The area has just over 21,000 residents and is the largest city in Marshall County. Albertville is included in the Greater Huntsville, Decatur area. This area was historically inhabited by the Cherokee people and held many important battles in the American Civil War. Sometime in 1908, one of the deadliest tornadoes in recorded history tore through the small town. This storm practically erased the town from existence. Getting back on track, Albertville was known as a rather safe place with crime rates being relatively low at the time. On the morning of May 15, 1977, things would change in this allegedly safe community. Two locals were walking near Martling Cemetery and happened to notice something rather strange. They saw what appeared to be a human body. It was male. This body was not normal though. The throat was slashed violently. The torso had been covered in yellow latex paint and several stab wounds were found on the chest. After all this, the body was then burned severely. Now when I say the throat was slashed, it was cut so severely, it was described by police as being from ear to ear. Some sort of acidic liquid had been used to burn off the fingerprints of the unidentified man. Soon after the discovery of the body, police began to create reconstructions of what the man possibly looked like to potentially help stir up clues as to their identity. Marshall County investigators publicized a photo of the man, but there never were any matches. After some time passed, the unidentified man was buried in the Arab City Cemetery with a gravestone marked as unidentified. Thirty years later, in the 30th anniversary of the cold cases aired on the local news. Just a few counties over, in Limestone County, a family sees the broadcast and the photo featured and are stricken by how it closely resembles their loved one who went missing in 1977. Dean Kellum is an Athens, Alabama resident who owns a machine shop who thinks the body may be that of his 18-year-old brother who seemingly went missing 30 years ago. Bobby Kellum was just 18 years old when he left for a trip to Talladega with his girlfriend to go watch some races at the track. I am unsure if it was a NASCAR event of some kind or something else entirely. Bobby never returned from his trip though, and according to Dean Kellum, his family just accepted the fact that he was gone. None of them seemed to know what had happened to Bobby, if he was dead or alive, and no one ever reported him as missing even after 30 years of no contact. This part always struck me as a bit odd, and I have noticed several other people online mention the same exact thing. Why would you not report your brother, son, nephew, grandson, whoever he may be, as missing? If he had no prior history of running off and not staying in contact, this should be a cause for concern. I did find an article where Dean mentioned his brother was in some sort of trouble with the law for allegedly writing bad checks. I also found a quote from Dean Kellum, 
who mentions Bobby's girlfriend contacted him a few weeks after the trip and said Bobby had left her to hitchhike back home and was wondering if he made it back safely. This is one very disturbing detail in my mind. Anyway, decades would pass, and Dean Kellum would say he was 75% sure this man could be his missing brother. He would be quoted as saying, There's a lot of resemblances, you know, in the face and the forehead and all that. After seeing the report on WHNT-TV, he contacted Marshall County officials and gave them a high school yearbook photo of Bobby Kellum. Dean and his mother, Wilma Hicks, agreed to provide DNA samples so authorities could confirm or deny this possibility. The unidentified man's body was dug up from the Arab City Cemetery, where he was buried with just a marker and a date of death. DNA samples were taken from the body and sent in to be tested. At the time, this process could take anywhere from 8 to 10 weeks to get results if tissue samples could be found in the remains. If no tissue could be found though, authorities would have to send the remains to the FBI's laboratory in Quantico, Virginia to be tested using the nuclear DNA identification process. This process can take up to 36 months. In the meantime, former Marshall County Coroner P.T. Williams said he believes the remains are likely that of Bobby Kellum going as far to say he was 95% sure it was him. Williams was the coroner from 1975 to 1979 and recalls examining the body in 1977, quite vividly. Williams mentioned the way the throat was cut, the man either had to be unconscious or held or tied down with great force. The local police force had a bit of an issue on their hands though. They needed to raise somewhat of $5,000 to get the remains tested. If they could not, it would take up to three years to potentially receive any results from the FBI. Luckily, the community as well as the local businesses around donated $4,000 and the lab agreed to give a $1,000 discount to help the case. On September 21st, 2007, Marshall County Sheriff's Department released the identity of the man found murdered 30 years ago. The man was indeed 18-year-old Bobby Kellum. The story behind what happened to Bobby during his final hours of life is largely unknown. I do have some information that I was able to find that could help us better understand what happened. Three people were identified as being involved, two of which have died, and one who was terminally ill. No charges were ever pressed, and the case was closed. Bobby Joe Kellum was 18 years old and had just begun work at the Fraternal Order of Police Fair in Anniston, Alabama. He had only worked there from May 2nd to May 14th, where he had met a 17-year-old girl who I have not been able to identify. The two spent a couple of days together and returned to Anniston on May 15th where they apparently were picked up while walking down Alabama Highway 21 by the girl's father, Dewitt Thrash. A man named Brooks was also in the vehicle with them. The group dropped off the girl at home and told them that they were going to go drop Bobby back off at the highway or bring him home if it was close enough. Once they returned to Marshall County, the group picked up another man by the name of Barnes and drove toward Martling Cemetery. For whatever reason, when they arrived at the cemetery, Dewitt Thrash pulled a knife and cut Bobby's throat. He was likely held down by the other two men. 
no charges would be given as Thrash and Barnes died in 2005, and Brooke lives out of state and at the time was terminally ill with less than six months to live. Unfortunately, there is only a six-year statute of limitations to anyone involved and prevented any additional charges from being charged against Brooks. The closest thing we have to a motive is from a statement made by Marshall County Sheriff Scott Walls, who said the motive for the murder was likely due to DeWitt Thrash being upset that this man ran off with his 17-year-old daughter. Brooks, who had six months to live, did not want to die without getting this off of his chest. The identity of the girl has never been released due to everyone involved seeing no basis for causing further harm. That last fact slightly bothers me as apparently the girl had been told by her father many years later about what he had done. Maybe hiding her identity is the best, but I just feel like she should have mentioned this earlier to authorities. And unfortunately with that, the story of the unidentified remains of a man in Martling Cemetery comes to a close. I don't know what this was. By Anonymous. Hey there, Swamp Dweller. I'd like to start off by saying, while I only have followed your channel for a few months now, probably about two or three, I'm a huge fan of your content. I stumbled across your channel when I was searching through similar videos looking for something to listen to while on the job. While doing so, I spotted your letters from a Cryptid Hunter series, and that started my long journey down a delightful, startling rabbit hole. Excuse my paraphrasing. But anyway, I have a story that happened to me when I was around 13 or 14 years old. I am now 27 years old. I live and have lived in the South Phoenix area of Arizona for my entire life. One night, that will remain burned into my memory until I die though, I will share. I was outside my family home. We don't have a very large property, but it's not necessarily small either. We have roughly a five room, two bathroom house situated in the middle of about a quarter acre of land. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. I was in the backyard, somewhere between 9 and 11 p.m. playing with my cousins and neighbors when I heard several loud noises and what sounded like a deep, guttural growl come from the alleyway gate. Something I now associate with the sound you might imagine a lion or a tiger to make just before pouncing on its prey. I initially ignored it as I was having way too much fun. Several hours would go by during which I would occasionally hear that strange sound and would continue to ignore it while playing. At some point in the night, my nine-year-old cousin wandered off towards the back alley. When I noticed what she was doing, I felt a deep sense of impending doom and dread. I yelled at her to come back to where I was immediately. I was standing there and quickly ran over to her as fast as I could. I started to push her away as quickly as I could. As I did this, back to the gate, I heard some very distinct sound of the chain link fence rattling and shifting around, like someone or something was climbing the fence. I grabbed my cousin's hands and practically dragged her full tilt sprinting back to the light before I turned and saw something distinctly humanoid clamoring over the gate with a cat-like speed and deafness. It hit the ground almost soundlessly and then began to pace with its eyes locked on our group. I'll never forget those deep, blood-red, almost sickly purple eyes. They seemed to glow 
I'm not sure if they were just reflecting the light or if they were emanating light themselves, but they felt otherworldly, dark, and when I looked into them, I felt one very distinct and forward sensation. Hunger. It was going to kill and eat all of us given the chance. I did the only thing my young mind could think of. I got loud and I got angry, kind of like you would if a bear was around. I'm not entirely sure what I was thinking. I did a sort of mock charge, taking a few large, overly dramatic steps toward it and screaming at this thing. To my surprise, it seemingly worked. The thing looked back, retreated a few steps, and turned and flew over the gate and scampered down the alleyway. We all ran inside as quickly as we could, practically climbing over each other. I thought for a short moment that that would be my last encounter with whatever that thing was. Sometimes, though, I still see it even today, always around dark and just barely on the edge of my visibility. It's never made an attempt to approach me. It even retreats when I try to approach. It makes no threatening sounds, and it's always in some sort of defensive, low stance. It always has its arms up to its sides. I saw it a few hours ago. It was lurking just beyond the wall that surrounds my backyard, just staring at me. I still have no idea what it is or where it came from, and if I'm being honest, I'm not sure I ever really want to. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true scary stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap that like button as it helps me out a ton. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us, hit that subscribe button, and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode. I upload them multiple times a week. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. Personally, I might have to pick that haunted house one. I've lived in a haunted house myself, and honestly, I can just relate to these. There's just something creepy about disembodied footsteps and having that feeling like somebody's coming after you, but there's nobody ever there. If you made it all the way to the end, today's code word is shimmering alien. With all this talk about disclosure, aliens, and UFOs recently, I'm definitely interested in doing another alien slash UFO episode very soon. Definitely send in your stories if you have any. I'd love to share them. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I've been sick the past couple of days, and honestly, it's been rough, but I'm feeling better now, so I should be back on schedule. Don't forget, over the next week, I will be on tour in the southeast. From Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and Tennessee, I will be playing with my band in several states. You can find information about that in the description and pinned comment. I'd love to meet you all, and I'd love to share my music with you guys.